Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support the independent financial advisor community because they believe that every firm of every size deserves a custodian that is committed and passionate, one that provides world-class resources, technology, and people who thoroughly understand your firm's goals, one that will work tirelessly to give you the winning edge. Hello and welcome to RIA Edge. I am Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa, and we are very, very excited about our special guest here today, Penny Phillips, the co-founder and president of Journey Wealth. Penny, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I tell everybody that I'm excited to interview them on RA Edge because that's what you do when you host a podcast, right? Um, but I really mean it here because I think you're background, your experience, and what you're trying to build at Journey right now um, is not only really interesting and innovative, but it touches on growth in a way that very few guests in this space can. Um, So before we get into some specifics, if you don't mind, um, can you just give a little bit of background on your experience as a consultant and a coach, and also on Journey, um, what the firm focuses on, um, and when you launched the firm? Sure. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I too have to say that right when I'm invited on a podcast, but I am very excited to be talking to you and, and talking about Journey. So I've spent my whole career, as many people have gotten to know me from social media now, coaching financial advisors and working in a consulting manner with institutions um, in financial services. I started my career at New York Life. My first foray into practice management was working within the corporate RIA of that firm and and establishing a practice management um, program, if you will, for at the time successful insurance agents who were transitioning to become successful financial advisors and and practice owners. And, you know, fast forward all these years later, it it was, I I guess, sort of foreshadowing what what I would end up building. But um, I, I really fell in love with the idea of how do we help advisors discover and sort of articulate the outcomes they want out of their business versus the outcomes that the industry is telling them they need to achieve. And so I went on to do consulting and coaching work um, at InvestNet. I worked at an independent coaching company, launched my own coaching and consulting company called Thrivos, where we were working individually with independent advisors looking to grow and thrive. It's why I named the company Thrivos. Uh, The OS is an ode to my Greek uh, heritage, as most people know. Um, And we were also working with institutions, helping them better train and coach advisors on how to build bigger. And I'm I'm sure we'll get into it a bit, Mark, but there came a time over the last few years where I recognized we were getting so many advisors reaching out to us to help them understand the independent landscape that I realized we'd built in the industry solutions for advisors and firms for advisors, but perhaps we hadn't really helped them educate themselves on what was the right structure for them. And so listening to my clients really over a five-year time period and then hit with the pandemic, I I sort of said, now may be the time to build something that I'm hearing people want in terms of firm and infrastructure that doesn't really exist yet. And so 
but um, myself and three partners, people who I've known for a really long time in the business, launched Journey in January. We are uh, the founding partners are two consultants, two advisors. Advisors have been in the business for 40 years. And we added our first tuck-in team within the first three months and have just been, you know, really proud of the team, been, been building, you know, block by, 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 block by block this whole year. And it's been really great. Is there, you, you mentioned, yeah, obviously the work that you've done with a lot of our advisors um, and firms over the years. Um, but when you looked at the timing with journey, right. Um, have to ask the question, you know, why now? Uh, in some cases, some people would look at more in the middle of a pandemic, anything but business as usual. Why would I want to go out on my own and start another business from scratch when I already have this successful business in place? So why, why now? Well, that's a great question, Mark. Um, it, a bunch of things. The first, first of all, in, I'm a big Game of Thrones geek and fan, and there was a great scene where, where they, someone said it was that one of, one of the characters said, you know, chaos is a ladder. And it's, I think about that all the time. And I thought about we're in this pandemic, you know, everything's changing, but when you really think about it, it, nothing changed, meaning the best in the business continued to thrive because they were doubling down on, you know, understanding client psychographics and, and working deeper and better with clients. And the other thing that really didn't change is we realized just how many people don't work with financial advisors. You know, we saw folks over the last year and a half on Reddit and on social media asking each other for advice about how to get through this, you know, pandemic. And, and it, it just, it made me realize how critically important the financial advisor profession is. And there, there, I don't think there will be a better time to take a stance and say, we need financial advisors to be advising more than ever. And we need to spend less time trying to train them and kind of, I mean, it's interesting given my background, but spend less time training them on how to be CEOs and business owners and instead let people who actually know and like running a business do that. And let's get advisors working with more people. Um, and, and the end result for me, the big sort of vision is if we can impact more investors, the consumer and, 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 and their families and generations of families, we can change communities. And so it was that bigger um, impact work, I think that was pulling me and, and it was just right timing. My, I, the partners were all in a position where they could make a move and, and we built, we built this infrastructure and, and managed to launch it within six months. So it was really good. Excellent. Well, congrats on what sounds like a, a successful launch this year. Um, and I do want to get into you know, the, the journey story a little bit as well. Um, I think you, know, one of, you mentioned just the outcomes that you're creating for your clients. Um, one, I'm genuinely interested in hearing you know, what it is from a client or an investor's perspective. Um, you know, what differentiates you know, journey from all the other RAs that are out there? Um, but two, I'm also interested in hearing how you articulate it uh, because you know, there are obviously so many RAs that are doing innovative and unique things, but they tend to have some default messaging, right? And all the firms sound the same. Um, so if you could give us you know, a sense for you know, what it is that you're doing differently and some of the problems you're solving for, but also how you introduce you know, journey and the problems that you could solve, I think that would be really helpful for our audience as well. 
Absolutely. And I'll start by saying, Mark, that I often speak about the fact that the consumer is now being forced to make a choice between lowest cost and highest value as it relates to wealth management, right? They go to the you know, robo-advisor and pay, they have zero basis points now to have asset allocation and simple stuff, or they hire a you know, wealth management advisor who's serving as a concierge and helping them do everything. And that's a trend we've seen in other industries as well. I think I realized last year, the advisor is actually being forced to make that same decision in our business, meaning they leave a captive environment, they go independent, and they get a 97% payout. And again, we're thinking about just how we've trained advisors to think. That's, that's what they think, wow, I need to get higher payout without realizing that higher payout means, yes, it means higher payout and and more flexibility and and all the things, but it also means a tremendous amount more responsibility in terms of running the business and figuring out how to do it profitably and and efficiently. So there was that, or you go to an RIA, you sell your business, you get, you transact with a, I'm not going to name names, whomever, And all of a sudden, you're now part of a large corporation that looks and feels, by the way, very much like a wirehouse, but that's a whole other story. And so we've we've sort of forced this decision for advisors. And for us, it was very much about what if we can find the, 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 the point, the intersection point between independence, flexibility, and support. And for advisors who I was interacting with and talking to, what I recognized is, we don't want to give up our ability to feel like a leader, to make decisions about the business because we've built this business from scratch and it's, and it's ours, but we don't actually want to be responsible for implementing, meaning we don't want to wear the C-suite hats. And I noticed that there were many RAAs talking about their differentiator as you know practice management and technology. And when you really look under the hood, number one, Everybody throws around the term practice management without, I think, really doubling down on on what that actually means when you're delivering it on an ongoing basis to advisors. And number two, technology is not a differentiator. Let's just be honest. We all have access to the same fintech. If we're in the RAA space, we can white label it and call it whatever, but, but that's not a differentiator. So for me, the differentiator was embedding a practice management coaching experience in the RIA. So an advisor joins they are immediately partnered with a team of people who have experience, first of all, coaching and consulting advisors. We work with them on an ongoing basis to make decisions about the business, to let them know how, you know, the health of their practice. Um, We are coaching them on an ongoing basis and we are also managing all of the operational infrastructure for them. So for us, Mark, the value prop to the advisor is we offer full operational support we provide our advisors a payout of 50 to 65% of gross revenue, which represents their net profits, quote unquote, as the practice owner. And so we're, we're also trying to simultaneously change the industry's perception of what independence is. To me, independence is not high payout and then run a business. To me, independence is all you have to do is worry about engaging with clients and rainmaking and the team behind you will figure out how to help you get to the next level. And so it's a, a slightly different spin on the traditional model. But for me, it's representative of the, of the fact that 
we can run a P&L more profitably than the advisor. And by the way, the advisor can keep 100% equity in their business. They can sell a portion of their business when they want. But those decisions should be made alongside the advisor over time and not be dictated by the firm that says, we have to buy 25% or 100% of your business to be part of what we're doing. We just don't, we believe that ends up doing a disservice to, to advisors. And we've seen that with some advisors selling and, you know, and having record years and now saying, oh gosh, I shouldn't have sold. So, so, so it's, it's a slightly different spin on, on the traditional independent RA model. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, words matter. And I know sometimes we get hung up on language, right? Um, but you're not a consolidator. You're not an aggregator, right? Um, but how, how would you describe journey? And what if it doesn't have to be one word, right? Um, but you know, where do you fit into you know, the wealth management ecosystem? You know, it's funny because I had this conversation with my team yesterday and I'm a big, as a practice management expert, Everybody is an ambassador to our brand if you're within the journey ecosystem. So, you know, we say we provide full operational support to financial advisors with flexible solutions for continuity and succession. And that really sums up everything that we do. I, you know, I don't know if there's a label for us. Some, you know, we, we could call ourselves an aggregator. For us, what we are trying to build is a community of advisors who are who enjoy the notion of financial advice and being a financial advisor and recognize that they need to evolve alongside their clients. And when you're within a big infrastructure where there's an already established label for what you are, i.e. aggregator or platform Mm -hmm. provider, it limits your ability to be flexible. And if an advisor decides in a year they want a slightly different sort of structure or need to do something different, I just believe we need to be able to do that alongside with them. So, um, you know, I don't think there's a label for us and, and that's okay. That's, that's fine. I think the way you described journey um, was not with a noun, which is confining, right? Um, it's with the solution, the problems that you solve, right? For advisors. So Correct. Um, I think, you know, that kind of brings to life what you're trying to accomplish very, very well. Um, I'd be interested to learn you know, just from a, a client perspective, what, what do Journey's clients look like? What is, and also, what is the ideal as you kind of look out a year or two, three years from now? What does the ideal client look like to you and why? Here's another, I'll answer it in, in probably longer than I need to answer it. But I, I think about this the same way I think about when we talk about who's the ideal advisor. For me, we have dictated what success looks like, right? Billion dollar firm working with $5 million client. The reality is, is that, first of all, the demographic landscape of the U.S. has changed, where money is moving has changed. And I believe if you are a full service wealth management firm, you need to be equipped and prepared to serve clients across not just the generational spectrum, but across the wealth spectrum. And so for us, we have clients ranging from ultra high net worth clients. My business partners have run a business for 40 years where it's an ultra high net worth type of clientele to our first tuck-in team who is serving a you know very specific tech executive Gen X type of client who has young kids and adult parents who they care for. For me, it's can we build an infrastructure where we are able to profitably and efficiently serve and service clients across that spectrum and teach clients, this is most important, 
the difference between wealth management and investment management. If somebody asks me what, what, what is the number one most important thing we can do for the end consumer, it is that. It is teaching them that wealth management is not just about managing money for you in a portfolio or selling you, you know, life insurance when you need it. It is about providing value from the moment you start with us along the entire sort of spectrum of, of your life cycle. And in the independent RA space, you can build a business that serves clients across the spectrum. You just have to know how to structure your services and fees to, to, to be able to support that. But um, we're equipped to serve clients in any stage of life, truly. I appreciate that. And it's interesting to the investment management versus wealth management piece. It gets conflated, you know, not just here, but in other markets too. We're based out of, Form is based out of the UK. And we've got exposure to a lot of you know, asset managers throughout Europe. Um, and the lines between asset management and wealth management you know, blur pretty easily sometimes. Um, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it's not all about, you know, retirement and sailboats and walks on the beach with the dog, right? Um, and you're seeing more people, hearing more people talk about living richly as opposed to dying rich. Um, and it's a term that resonates with a lot of people and hopefully helps you know, introduce the idea of real wealth management and financial planning to more and more people, as you said in the very beginning of the conversation, right? It's such a, a good point. And Mark, the, the, what I always talk about, because I hear advisors sometimes say, well, I've got five good years left in this business and all my clients are 70. So why should I really care about, you know, how the, the consumer or client has changed? Yeah. I mean, it's no secret that I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not 65 years old. So I theoretically have decades left to build this business. And you have to, if you are really wanting to build an enduring enterprise, regardless of whether you're a journey firm or building on your own or whatever, if you want to build an enduring enterprise, you have to care about where wealth is going to transfer to. That is the next client. It's it's not the client who wants to save, you know, like our, or my parents did until they're 70 and then take their first vacation. It is clients who want to experience today and be part of community. And we can't underestimate how critically important that is to be able to deliver to people. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Different type of client. And that's where the wealth is going. And it's going right now. It's uh, I know it's not directly you know, related to the topic of growth. Right. Um, but it is obviously because the way you're talking about wealth management, the way the mindset is changing in certain parts of the industry will lead to growth, you know, longer term. All right. So I appreciate you taking a sidestep, talking big picture for a little bit. Um, and at a more maybe, you know, micro level, um, I am curious to pick your brain on organic growth. Um, you know, you as a consultant and a coach saw probably a lot of advisors do things really well, right? And a lot of advisors, quite frankly, that probably didn't. Um, and for the last 10 years, many have been able to grow because the markets grew. Uh, depending on the year, right? You can get 30, 40, 50% of your growth can come from market appreciation. In your experience and in your current role, what are the advisors that are growing the most by design? What are they doing right? It's my favorite question because people really turn up the volume to wait to hear for the secret sauce. And guess what? The secret sauce is the people who've been growing and grew last year have been doing the same things for the last couple of decades. Number one, and this is the most important, 
they have no preconceived notions about what's going to work today versus what worked yesterday. Meaning the advisors who've done tremendously well are highly coachable and are able to rid themselves of belief systems that no longer serve them well. I'll give you an example. I'm not great on camera. I could never get on video and post stuff on social media. First of all, if you have that you know, barrier and belief system, guess what? You're never going to be willing to get on you know, Zoom or Loom and People were forced to do that last year, but the, the advisors who didn't skip a beat last year were already trying new things and being willing to be vulnerable with clients. And my advice to any advisor listening is it's perfectly okay. First of all, we don't speak enough to our clients. It's perfectly okay to say to your clients, we have learned a lot over the last 18 months. We are committed to being around for the next hundred years we are going to be trying new things over the next year. We're gonna be on social media more. We're gonna be doing virtual events. We want you to be part of that experience with us. We want your feedback. By doing that, you automatically give yourself permission to try new things and see if they work and, and try something else if it doesn't work. So being willing to be coachable and vulnerable with clients and try new things, I would say that's absolutely number one. The second thing, I call it the relentless prospector mindset. There are a lot of advisors who have grown to your, I think you were alluding to this, by default and not design, meaning they've transacted with a lot of people. They've maybe not built truly deep sort of planning relationships until recently, especially if they grew up in sort of the captive um, insurance BD or, or wirehouse environment. And so they've sort of gotten comfortable. And I ask advisors, if you are, if this is your practice and you are focused on growth, are you talking about what you are building and why in every single conversation you have every single day? If you are not doing that, then you are putting yourself at a disadvantage because guess what? There are advisors that have that much conviction in what they're doing, who are that obsessed with what they're building. And they talk about it every day. So you, I, I, this is my other to-do for anyone listening. Prompt yourself at the end of every day, reflect on the day and ask yourself, did I talk about what I'm building to at least five people today? And that could be clients, that could be centers of influence. It could be your spouse. But it's that sort of relentless obsession with what you're building and why that without a doubt differentiates the advisors who grow and continue to grow and never plateau from those who don't. And when you really think about it, it, it's, do I really believe in what I'm building? And that's a whole other discussion, but so it's relentless prospecting. And I would say the last thing is understanding client psychographics, the firm or advisor that knows the consumer best wins period, end of story. And we've seen that in other industries and we're seeing it in our business, especially. Interesting. The, uh, Years ago, um, I remember having a conversation with CEO in the industry who will go nameless and got on this sort of path about talking about how we don't really understand clients particularly well and mentioned, you know, asked me the question, you know, how much money do you think we spend on R&D, right? Um, this is a very large you know, broker dealer. And the answer was zero. Right. Um, and you think about other industries, you know, companies that have similar revenues, you know, how much money they're spending on R&D. And it was just such a sharp contrast. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like there are that many firms that are really 
investing in not just the service, but the understanding, right? And where there might be other opportunities, there's a lot of feel versus fact that goes into advice. So, I mean, how are you approaching that, right? You mentioned the psychographic piece, but how are you thinking about where the market is going, right? And not necessarily where it is today. Well, for for me, it, it most of what we're building is tied to this theme of scale and customization or scale and personalization. And if you think about the experience you get as a client or consumer in other industries, I mean, think of the Netflixes of the world, right? You the Netflix scales a service, I mean, different than our industry, but makes every single person feel like it's the experience has been curated just for them. And, and that's what we experience no matter where we are. The sure. only place where we really struggle, I think, to provide that is, is within an individual advisory office. And I, I would not that I disagree, Mark, but I actually think we spend so much time putting out white papers about, you know, millennials and what they want and women investors and we spend zero time teaching advisors how to take that information and then integrate it into a client acquisition and engagement strategy. Yeah. So for me, it's about very much understanding the questions that clients ask themselves, their spouses, their colleagues, their friends on social media on an ongoing basis. Most of those questions, by the way, aren't what's my return on my portfolio or do I need life insurance today? The questions are very much tied to things they experience on a day to day. Oh my gosh, my kid is in school and now, you know, home and is, is their behavior normal for a kid or are they really struggling or, oh my gosh, my parents, should they apply for PPP loan? I mean, it's lifestyle stuff. And so if, if we as a firm can build a support team that is real time listening and creating content that aligns with those questions that clients ask themselves every day and continue to put that out there. That is the way we are going to not just survive, but, but thrive. And I think we're going to continue to see mass consolidation in the marketplace as advisors fail to be able to do that. And that is from the client and organic growth perspective, what we are 100% focused on right now. Appreciate that. And I also want to make sure that you know, we give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about you know, what success looks like for, for Journey. And maybe that's a great place to sort of end. But uh, I would ask if you and I are talking again in two or three years, right? Um, and hopefully we are. Um, and hopefully RA Edge is still on the air and I didn't get canceled, right? Um, but I mean, how will you know you know, that journey is doing what you're setting out to do and that this decision, right, to start your own firm and lead the firm um, was the right one. Well, I'll, we've had a taste of that already, which makes me very happy. I mean, we decided that and one other theme that's really important for us on the inorganic growth side is empowerment through education, meaning I want, I don't want to sell advisors on journey. I want advisors to understand the RIA landscape and decide for themselves that this is the model that makes the most sense for them, that we are adamant about that. And, you know, we, we held a webinar last week and I said to my team, the webinar is going to be about how to navigate through what's an RIA, what's an RIA platform and what's a BD with a corporate RIA, because advisors still don't understand the difference. 
And we got such great showing on, it was just promoted on social media and we got such great showing and so much great feedback of one comment really stuck out to me of, I have felt too embarrassed to ask people who are recruiting me to explain the difference between the various models. And, you know, I feel so much better right now. That to me is success in and of itself. The other thing we recognize when we brought in our first team, a tremendous advisor um, out on the West Coast, her name is Kristen Bartlow, um, used to be at Northwestern Mutual. When we sat down and she interviewed 15 firms before joining us and we asked her to articulate what she wants to experience personally in her life over the next five years. We can make any deal work, Mark, and most RIAs that are our size can. They have capital partners. I'm not worried about the transaction. That we can make work. What I am worried about is in two years, will the advisor be living a more fulfilling life than they did before they joined us? Whatever that means to them. This advisor very clearly articulated, I want to spend the majority of my time, by the way, our mission is 80% or more of time with clients or rainmaking every single week. I want to spend more time with clients. I want to be more present for my daughters. I want to have an office and a team that is spending the majority of their time not figuring out infrastructure and operational stuff, but is figuring out new ways to serve clients. So it's our responsibility to create a structure around this team that enables them to do that. And by the way, they are doing that. She and they've also brought in 40 million in AUM uh, since they've joined us a couple months ago. And by the way, that is because they could spend 100% of their time finding new ways to serve clients and, and you know, bring in more business. So working smarter, not harder, working less, but more thoughtfully and intentionally, working in a way. An advisor could say to us, look, I don't, I'm, I'm, I just want to work with a hundred clients and I want those a hundred clients to look like this. Beautiful. Let's create those outcomes for you. We have enough flexibility that we can do that. And so more of those anecdotes, more of those teams saying those things to me will, will tell me that we've built the right way. And I believe that we're going to get there. Excellent. Well, uh, I appreciate beyond sharing your experience, but also sharing what is a in different perspective in a lot of in a lot of ways. You know, most of the conversations we have are about you know, bread and butter, MA, you know, integration, aggregation strategies, sort of core tech strategies, and you know, just sort of more macro marketing and business development strategies. But um, I think what you've touched on here uh, really hits the right notes, right? Not just for RA Edge, right? But for you know, our team at Wealth Management and Inform and how we're thinking about, you know, where the market is going. Um, so Penny, thank you very much for stopping by today. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? No, but you just hit on a great point about technology. And you, I, Mark, you've probably heard me say this before. Tech is tech and integrations are not always integrations. So <laughs> the differentiator for any RIA, whether it's Journey or whomever, has to be beyond what is now table stakes. And in some cases, you know, not even great table stakes, but it has to be beyond that and it has to be about the advisor's unique experience and the client's unique experience working with them. I appreciate that and appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thank you, Penny. And thank you to all of our listeners here for joining us on RIA Edge. Hope you found this to be very, very informative. I certainly did. And we look forward to having everybody back in the next two weeks to listen to the next episode of RIA Edge. 
On behalf of the Informer Wealth Management Group, I'm Mark Bruno. Thanks for joining us. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support the independent financial advisor community because they believe every firm of every size deserves a custodian that is committed and passionate, one that provides world-class resources, technology, and people who thoroughly understand your firm's goals, one that will work tirelessly to give you the winning edge. Learn more at advisorservices.schwab.com.